Are you a professional optimized business? Time to look at Northern Peugeot Bandura to further professionalize your fleet with their updated commercial van range. The team at Northern Peugeot Bandura can help customize your fleet to your business needs. Stock arriving now, so secure your van and beat the rush before the end of financial year madness. Visit northernpeugeot.com.au or call 9119-9008. TNC Supply. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. And, uh, welcome to another edition of Radio Dub here. Uh, it's just me in the studio, but George is uh, joining us here from uh, Queensland. He's, he's dipped the Melbourne weather and said, I need more sunshine up in uh, the Sunshine State, that's what they call it, up in Queensland, George. Uh, really appreciate, you know, you're taking the time out of Queensland. It. Is it a holiday, George, Pakua. or are you working? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of both. Okay. Pakua, you've got to understand, Queensland is the only state in Australia, right? Yep. That has about five different labels for itself. <laughs> in, far north, in, in the far north, or they call it, the Tropic Wonderland. Okay. Um, uh, then a little bit outside of Brisbane, it's called the Gold Coast. Then a little bit further up, it's called the Sunshine Coast. It's not enough that they call it <laughs> Queensland. They want to add all these little extra things. They do. But hey, who's complaining? The sun sun is shining. the The world of football keeps throwing up story after story after story. And before you and I uh, catch up with a very special guest, we've got coming up around about 5.30, Mark, I want to touch on some of the biggest stories of the last few days. And the biggest story, the one that's caused probably the most consternation, is the one that you looked at me at and went, is this for real? And I'm talking about the, uh, the, the latest utterings from the APL, the Australian Professional Leagues, that now are newly independent and are no longer beholden to Football Australia. And I noticed on Twitter <laughs> where people just go nuts. I, I love it that they vent. I love it that they keep telling us what they think. But before we go any further, people, people need to understand there are two entities that now run the game. And that hasn't been the case before. Always it was all about the FFA or FA, Football Australia, uh, or Soccer Australia as it was once. Now it's the APL which is the Australian Professional Leagues, and they run, of course, the A-League men's, the A-League women's, uh, and everything else that goes along with it. And, of course, the other side is Football Australia, which commandeers and oversees our national teams. And that's the Ollie Roos, the Socceroos, the Matildas. And suddenly the APL has come up at the beginning of the week and mentioned that, hey, guys, we're going to get two new teams in the A-League. One of them is going to be called Canberra. Uh, did that make you feel warm and cuddly when you heard that, Pakua? Um, I think it's, it's it's important that we have, uh, you know, a professional, obviously be a professional men's team in Canberra. We do have a women's team already there. But I want to. I'm fascinated to know how it's going to be. So structured. will they be? Will will they be united? Well, I'm not quite sure. Will, and that's will the men's. Will the men's want to embrace the women's? Well, or will will the women say, "No, hang on, we actually know what's going on, but you guys are brand new." Well, I think that's the the most important question. I don't think we have an answer to just yet on in terms of how it's going to be structured. With obviously the the Canberra United Women's team have such a strong history and legacy in the A League Women's, and if you know the men's team and they've is, been successful, yeah, and they've been and incredibly they've been successful. successful. They've been incredibly successful and in having a really good season this year. It's been you know ups up and down ups and downs, but they are a really really strong team uh, club that's got a a proud legacy in the A-League women. So it'll be interesting to see how it is structured and how if how they're united or if it's going to be under the same ownership or if it's going to be separate ownership structures. That will be really, really interesting. But I think that for it to be successful and in order for it to get fans, they'd need to be aligned in some sort of way because you're then, if you know, if they create this A-League men's team and you alienate the A-League women's fans, you're just cutting yourself off to potential fans that could come into the stadium and that that would be just detrimental and ensure that this side will not be successful in the long term. 
Look, I, I, you know what? You spoke the truth. This is the most important decision that has to be, uh, you know, anointed. We need to see that the men's and the the upcoming men's side that the APL is very keen to bring into the A League in the next couple of years. Uh, I think it's next year they're contemplating the two new licences. One, of course, will be an Australian team based in the national capital and hopefully aligned right there with the women's, which has been around for quite some time. And as you said, has quite a legacy. And wait for it, just when you thought we were safe in the water and it was only Wellington to contend with, no, no, no. There's thought now that an Auckland team is going to come from the other side of uh, the the ditch. And uh, I suppose ultimately it'll it'll create uh, another derby situation because you can imagine Wellington up against Auckland. That has been yeah. forever and a day, whether it's cricket, whether it's rugby, whether it's league. Um, if it's going to be the world game, it'll be a fearsome rivalry and it won't take long to get going. No, it, it will, George. But but I I, I think it's um, it's a really important step for the APL to to recognise that we do need to expand in some more markets and 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 tap into different fan bases. But I I look at the current the current uh, state of the A League and and I and I wonder in terms of like the, the the number of fans that we are getting. How is these How are these two places they've marked as expansion locations how are they going to how are they going to fare in terms of attracting fans there and not just attracting them in the first year that they're there because it's an exciting new thing but how are they going to attract them in the long term and be sustainable as a five-year model or a 10-year model what is the APL going to do because it's all well and good getting these new clubs in and tapping into new markets but if we're having more teams and the same numbers of fans that are attending these games, is that really success? Is that really something that's a, a, a good idea or should we be focusing on the current teams that we have at the moment and working on trying to create a, a more efficient and effective marketing strategy and social media strategy to engage more fans? Your commentary is on the money, but remember these decisions are based on the television requirements uh, clearly, we need more games to be played. We need more competition and they need more clubs. And rather than jumpstart and uh, react to what Football Australia is doing with the uh, latest offering uh, and saying to clubs that have been around forever, some of the lower tier clubs in the NPL and so on, uh, they're saying to them, of course, Football Australia is saying, listen, we want to see if we can get this second division, uh, a national second division up and running. But in the meantime, the APL wants to add a couple of new licences. So I can see money. The, the clubs that are, are, come, are intending to come in have got to pay. So there's an entrance fee. All right. The other part is, from the television point of view, more games. The season will be longer. So clearly, um, there is opportunity there. But... There's also now the added layer. If FA can get the second, National Second Division up and running in a reasonable and steady manner, we're starting to get an awful lot of clubs wanting to be part of the absolute top echelon. And that might allow us now to start looking at very interested, uh, sorry, very interesting ways to create this competition. And that is in conferences, something that we haven't had to do for years and years and years. There were conferences in the past, well before you were born, Pakua, <laughs> uh, and they worked pretty well. They were pretty exciting. And, and, and what they did was they allowed the clubs to play competitions without having the tyranny of distance eating into whatever monies they were making. So, again, we can see smartly um, and uh, interesting uh, structures being contemplated. How they come about, They'll be the key questions. Yeah. But there's so much going on, so much going on. And quite rightly, you say, there are a whole bunch of other questions that need to be addressed. But we need to understand that there are two entities that we've never had before. One is wanting very much the overview that doesn't touch the APL, the Australian Professional Leagues. And the other body just wants to get the A-League men's and women's and the youth up 
and get it going in a meaningful way in, in a season that looks like maybe 35, 36, 38, which rivals what the EPL is doing. Yeah. But you can't have just 12 clubs. You've got to have 16, 18, haven't you? No, Luna, you're not wrong there. And I, I was speaking to somebody, and I, I don't want to take the credit for, for their idea, but <laughs> I, I, the question of um, we, we get these two new teams and obviously there'll be lots and lots of um, lots of opportunities. There'll be more opportunities. There'll be more spots available yep. on these teams. I, 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 now we're talking for players. Yeah, for, we're for players. For, for players. coaches. Absolutely. And it's also coaches. And referees, there'll be more games that you'll need more referees yeah. too, won't you? Absolutely. Like this is not an So the backroom staff, the, the, all the backroom staff will also have to be uh, looking and putting their hands up yeah. to be participants. The, the question I have is in terms of with this yeah, expansion with Auckland and Canberra, how does it affect the national second division in terms of attracting players? Because there are so many spots now going to be available on these teams. How does it affect uh, the, the young talent pool? Because... If Cam- I'm assuming if Canberra and Auckland come in, they'll they'll try and have a youth development system and yep. you know, those young yep. players that could potentially be playing for those national second division sides, will they want be interested in going to play you know professionally for the APL sides? But also some people might just want to keep their um, their secondary jobs and, and and entertain this national second division. So it'll be interesting to see how those two manage it in terms of the quality of players that will be available. Um, for national second division teams and also for these new expansion teams? The one thing that we have to say is that suddenly where we had so many um, people complaining about the game and where it was going, suddenly we have a number of interests telling us where they'd like to go and there's a whole new series of questions. Um, I think it's it's going to be uh, riveting to find out a, li- a lot more from the APL. I want to hear from the key players, uh, Danny Townsend and others, Simon Pierce. I want to hear their long-term vision. That's incumbent on us to try and drag that from them. Uh, and it, it's also helpful for the game. But we also need to hear from James Johnson and from others in, the, in Football Australia, um, the men's and the women's, and see what they think of the professional league's going about and, again, expanding in that time-honoured way, which people either love or hate. And, again, Football Australia looking to say to all the other clubs in the lower tiers, yes, okay, you may not be right there now, but we've got to get this sorted. And more, more importantly, what we've got to do is we've got to make sure that it works. Yeah, I-, I think a lot of bedding in has to be done in the national second division, before we see this the possibility of a whole of football approach, yeah, where think- if you want to if you want to play the game at the highest level, you can do it from the bottom club to the top. That would be the magic, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And I I, I hear everything you're saying, George. I, I I think that we, as a whole, when we we look at the like the football landscape, I think that we we, you know, the fans would. Well, I'm not going to speak for other people, but for me, I think that the long-term viability of Australian football in this country, in terms of its, you know, maintaining its place and even expand, like obviously we all want it to grow, but I don't think it's going to be possible without the APL and Football Australia having a better relationship and having a better communication line, and because we we all need to push in the same direction, and and obviously we can all have different objectives that are targets for our our organisations, but. In order for football as a whole, because that's what we all care about, that's what Football Australia cares about, that's what the APL care about, we all need to be pushing in the same direction and having the same long-term ambitions. We can have different short-term objectives um, and wanting to do different things, but we need to all push for the same thing. And we also need to ask the question of, because I've been thinking about this in terms of the A-League women's and and asking myself the question of why should the general public care about the A-League women's and not just in the sense of, oh, obviously we should, everyone should come and support women's football, but why should they spend their hard-earned money to, to support these teams? And we need to figure out the answer to that question in order for us to create really good strategies to target and attract those audiences because until we can find out reasons why people should care about football in this country and have a like a meaningful thing in men's or women's we can never attract those fans so it's all great having this Canberra expansion team the the Auckland team but 
you need to understand why the communities in those areas should care about it and you should ask why they want to care about it. And if you get the answers to those questions, you get the fans in those areas and you also get fans outside externally being like, oh, they understand why I, I... they have found a reason why I should care about football in this country. I'm, I might go to one game, I might go to two, and then it will extend over a period of time. But until we can answer that question, it's kind of we're just running around in circles, really. Uh, Pakua Frimpong is my co-host on State of Our Football Nation on FNR, and she's been giving us some idea of how she thinks. Uh, do you remember your first game? Of going to the A-League? No, no. Your first game of football. Can you remember it? That I... As, it, as a fan. As, as a, a fan. fan? Like that I like went to... Yep. Or like watched the time on the TV yep. screen? Yep. Yep. No, no. You actually went to a game. Okay. Uh, the first game I probably went to was Man City taking on Real Madrid at the MCG when they came here for the international... This was, this was the ICC. Yeah, the it? ICC. That's tournament. the first time I ever came. And then I didn't... I'm going to be so honest. The, uh, the first time I ever went to an A-League game, just because my family... It was just something we went to. We care about football. We just didn't go to it. Uh, was probably Welling... No, sorry. Western United and... Adelaide, I believe, when I was started doing work for the football sack my first year. That was, which is only so you were okay, but but you went there with with a professional yeah. view in mind. You went there to, to take in the football, yes, not so much as a fan, but as a young woman contemplating yeah. a career in the game. And that's why I right? asked, and that's why I asked the question of why. That's what you asked the question, yeah, because because, yeah, 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 uh, because yeah. I care about football and I've loved football my whole life, but. The A-League itself has never been something that's, you know, I've watched the derbies at home because I find them really, really interesting and I really care about derby yeah. days uh, when Hearts and Victory were, were, were playing. But in terms of, like, actually getting me to go to the games, I don't think the APL has ever, or the APL Football Australia when they were running it, I never felt a draw to it. I never even knew some of the games were even happening. So, and maybe that's just my naivety and me being a, a Euro snob in terms of my football thing, but... <laughs> but but I also think that you sh- there are plenty of people who love football in this country that you're they just we're just not reaching at all and they care about football and they'll they'll watch lower division English football. Why are we not getting them to care about Australian football at the highest level or even the lower levels? No, that they're all very good questions and and all I can throw up at you are a, a host of stories based in history. We have had, um, uh, you know, uh, a civil war, whether we wanted to admit it or not, over the last 20 years, where uh, some of the biggest name clubs in this country were ostracised and left out, right? Whatever the reasons were, on reflection, they were 100% wrong. And what we saw was an interference in, in, in those wonderful things that drew people to those community clubs. They had paid their dues. They had gone through thick and thin, and they had, whether they were seriously professional or not, they had built a a framework and they had also established a legacy. And I'm talking about the Marconis. I'm talking about the Sydney Olympics. I'm talking about Adelaide. I'm talking about Brisbane. There were sides. And, of course, in Melbourne, you had an array of clubs like South Melbourne, like Preston, which, by the way, it's in MPL2 at the moment, Preston, and it's making more noise than about five other NPL1 clubs. And you've got to ask the question why. It's because there's a young group of businessmen and women who feel that the time is nigh to put their hand up and uh, under the care and, and, and I suppose the fostering of their president uh, or their chair, David Svetkovic, or Svetkovsky rather, we're seeing this new energy coming out of Preston and they want to be part of this next history in the game, part of a national second division with a view to making it to the absolute top end of town, that is the A-League. Now, they're some of the rich stories. FNR has got a job to relay and try to further explain Uh, what has been happening in the years in between. There's a tremendous period of uh, introspection going on and has been going on. 
the time is right now to really make some serious decisions. We had Nicola Tass, the chair of the, uh, a, uh, the AAFC, saying to us, they've done so much homework. They're good to go, right? Now it's about Football Australia anointing the clubs that they feel have the necessary credentials. Okay, that's the one side. From the other side, as we've just heard this week, football for the professional side of the game, that is the APLs, are saying, okay, we've got expansion in mind. We've got maybe $25, $30 million coming into the kitty. We're going to, we're going to push a whole a crop of new games onto the A-League fixture. And we're going to take advantage of this now burgeoning A-League to see what more it can do before the National Second Division takes shape and then offers up the opportunity to go pro and relegation. Now, that to me is the storyline. They're the things that have got to be very clear, and we've got to pursue them. All of us at FNR, every program has got to be chasing, whether it's uh, uh, Johnson, whether it's uh, Danny Townsend uh, or Simon Pearson, saying to them, okay, help us, take us on this journey, provide a narrative that we can all grasp and feel excited about, and then not look over their shoulder and start doubting. We have got to take the negativity out. We've got to take the toxicity out. And you and I have talked about this before. We have got to build something seriously exciting that captivates people to want to go to the game. I know that when there's an exciting game in town, I want to go. And if I can make it, I will make it. And I've watched, uh, as a Melbourne City Club ambassador, hundreds, if not thousands, of young boys and girls uh, dressed in their finery, dressed in their city colours, and they're, they're, going to, they're going to be the generation of fans for the next 10 years. Not now. They've just started coming along with mum and dad. But when they have their own purse, when they have their own car, uh, when they have their own uh, uh, group of friends, they'll be going as, you know, this new generation of City fans to rival, of course, the long-time and outstanding contribution that has been made by uh, the majority of the Victory fans who have built quite a legacy over the years, even with some of the skirmishes that we've seen of late, which have cost the club and, uh, you know, alienated some people because that's what people do. They don't like people stepping out of the comfort zone. So uh, we've got to get back to doing all of that, telling good stories, but also telling telling the stories as clearly and as, and as uh, richly as possible, but also as truthfully as possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I think George's like the little points you've made are, are, are very like notable. I think that the storytelling aspect is really really important because like when I look at when I look at professional sports, like I I think that we we almost need to get out of this like this box that we put in that every football fan really cares about the X's and O's because not every football fan cares about that. Sport is sport is sport is fantastic and people lots of people watch it. People watch it in different ways, but the majority of people, oh, yeah. the majority oh, yeah. of people look at sport like it's entertainment, and that is the audience that we just do not attract because we do not create. I don't think we do a good enough job of the sports entertainment aspect and the storytelling of it. And and I I, I want to I, I I look at when I sometimes see. Uh, I, I have KO, right? I have KO and I have yep, yep. ESPN and KO. Every time I turn on KO, I see an ad. Every single time about the NBL, I don't even know what, I don't even care about, like I don't watch the NBL like that. I watch the NBA, but I don't watch the NBL like that. But every time I see one of their ads, I'm t- almost tempted to turn on an NBL game because the story they tell me in the ads is so interesting. And I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. I've got to I care. And I, 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 I like, why am, no. I, why am I not watching? And I'm like, why do I not see, I think we sh- I want to see more ads on free to wear that the football's coming on, and we've talked about this multiple times, George. George about yep, how yep. football in this country is a is a Friday or a Thursday to Sunday thing, and it's not thought about during the week, and that you kind of limit Correct. the amount of fans because you limit the amount of time people get to make the choice to be like, oh, I'm going to go to a football game this weekend. If you're not telling them about it during the week, reminding them with these odd little things and all all these little spots, because thirty seconds is a really thirty seconds is a lot of time to tell somebody a really entertaining story. And there are I watch football highlights all the time on YouTube of moments from so long ago. 
because and people do these the craziest things about trying to tell you the narrative of something that happened because they're exhilarating when Troy Deeney got Watford up into the prem and and that last minute kick like (laughs) we don't see any of that stuff like the storytelling aspect of football is just like doesn't exist in this country just it's just the x's and o's and most people don't watch football looking at it like, oh, are they playing an inverted fullback? Are they playing a false nine? They just kind of see Messi running around and Ronaldo running around or Matthew Lecky running around. We need to do better at telling the stories of – to get people – once you get people in the door, then you Good. can get them no, on the X's your, and O's. Your, your points are 100% on the money. But I've got to remind you that it can't all be bad news when you've got Hindmarsh pulsating – every time the Reds play, and you've got this crop of youngsters, uh, young Craig Goodwin, uh, you know, he played for Hart once upon a time, um, uh, Bakur. Yeah. And I thought he was going to be an outstanding young talent, and he has become that. Um, and he's leading a charge now with a bunch of youngsters, and we haven't even mentioned this 17, 18-year-old who is – creating a highlight reel all by himself. Yeah, George. Now, is that not the most exciting thing you've seen no, in a while? it is. And, and that's the point I, I, I'm trying to make, right, is that yep. Yep. I, we need, and this is like it requires money and it requires incredibly talented people, but we need to do a better job at marketing our best talent in these competitions <laughs> because Iran Kunder is so incredibly special. That like if you yep. created, I uh, watched this documentary. Uh, it was called uh, And One. It was on Netflix. It was about like the the like the basketball like videotapes that we used to come out about these like uh, used to play street ball and like they do all these like great tricks, right? And it's like, why are we not creating mixtapes of the best pieces of skill that Iran Kunda is doing with the with cool added like music and attracting. Kunda. Irikunda's fifty-five somersaults no, in one sweeping like, motion is more highlight. Yeah, exactly, we'll see ten games. exactly. But I'm, I'm saying that we are not creating. We don't create yeah, no, those no, like right. those things that that get these fans who are like thirteen, fourteen. So, who what, watch so what you're saying is like we just don't we 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 continue to market football like football like the AFL markets footballs where they've got a dedicated fan base who are an older crowd. We need to realise that this younger generation, they are going to be the ones who determine if football in this country is sustainable and going Succeeds. to be going yep. to be successful. Yep. Yep. So you Very need to do what point. you need to attract them with the things that they care about and the things they watch. They watch thirty second videos on TikTok. You need to create videos that are engaging like that. <laughs> and and it might suck well, and it might I, suck I'm to not the, it might suck to the football purist, but Everybody, you can't make change in football if there isn't more money. And there is going to be more money if more people are going to the games because that ticket money is important. That ticket money is down. Oh, absolutely right. And but and, and it's incumbent on our new sponsors, people like the Northern Motor Group, who come in and support uh, FNR and, and other uh, sponsors who give us the opportunity to tell the stories. But you're absolutely right. Marketing has got to be better. It's got to be smarter. Uh, it's also got to fashion a new message, a new, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, a new way of messaging to our fans, the next generation of fans. But we've also got to ask the, the Network 10, Paramount Plus, the, the other mainstream facilities, if you have an interest in the game. And there's a Women's World Cup just around the corner. And it will be the biggest thing uh, down under in years um, and wait till it happens and people will be going gaga. But at the moment, we've got a bundle of things we've got to work our way through. But um, we've, had a, we've, had an, we've had a try to help explain just what the last few days has been since the announcements were made by the APL and Football Australia. They're not working across purposes. They're working at different ends of the game doing what is in their brief, their mission statement. So... FA, it's all about creating the, and working for a national second division. The professional leagues, the APL, is working to grow the A-League, and that is with expansion. They've decided already it'll be Canberra and it'll be uh, Auckland. So, again, we've made that very clear. Uh, something else we've made very, very clear, there's been some seriously exciting football played over the, the past few weeks. Uh, we've seen young Irukunda do things that are not only magical, they, they are borderline crazy and impossible. 
but he seems to do them each and every week at Pakua, yeah. which is, is just the best thing. And I noticed, and this is the part that really excites me, uh, we saw young Daniel Azani burst onto the scene. And then, of course, some injuries have derailed his, his run um, at international level. We saw Marco Tilio make his presence felt at the Olympics. Um, we're going to get a sense now that Irukunda is going to be challenged to, uh, you know, get up there and uh, rock their highlight packages. And I, I think this young man can do it. Um, he comes in a, in a, in a particularly uh, neat package. He's explosive. He threatens the heck out of defences. And you as a caller can think of nothing more exhilarating than knowing when the ball is anywhere in his direction, the stress, the stress levels in the defence go through the roof of the opposition. Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's another. And, but but do you know what the thing is, George? Heron Kunda's face should be everywhere. He should. If, if, he, <laughs> if, like, if he was a football player, the AFL would be doing. Uh, oh, would yeah. be would yeah, plaster yeah, yeah, him yeah. on every Facebook yeah. ad you saw, or they would plaster him on. Uh, like every single time that they were introducing f- footy on seven, it would be just to him constantly. But but also we can't just rely on one player. Like there are lots of great players who do lots of incredible things and their stories need to be told and we need to understand the personalities of these footballers because people care about people. And when you yep. break it down to that and then – I'm like, oh, I, I, if somebody, a young kid goes, oh, I'm a big fan of uh, so and so, they'll go to the game just to go and support so and so, and then eventually, no, no, no. and then eventually, well, they'll be a fan of that team, and and that's just you know well, how it will. We saw that we saw that with the Matildas when the Matildas started playing some wonderfully uh, exciting football and winning. We saw young men, young boys going to see the Matildas play, and people were saying, just get a look at the crowd, and 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 it speaks to what you've been saying. You captivate them. You excite them. You're, you're going to get people to turn up. Uh, speaking of turning up, I, I noticed that one of our special guests is about to join us, uh, Nathan Claridge from um, uh, Bendigo. We'll talk about that very shortly. Just before we go there, um, I noticed that uh, one of your favourite men, the Ollie Roos coach, Tony Vidmar, has called up a young 18-year-old uh, West Australian, young boy who's playing uh, currently in Italy in Serie and uh, his name is uh, JC Novello, and he's going to be part of the under-23 men's national uh, training camp, which is coming up in Italy. And I noticed that um, that's all well and good for Novello because he's very comfortably ensconced at Casenza, which is the Serie uh, B side. And he's going to step in and, I think, take over from young Jacob Farrell, who has got sick and won't be available so illness has ruled him out. But um, Tony Vidmar looking for opportunities to blood new talent. And here he is. He's giving, uh, you know, uh, this young boy, uh, an 18-year-old from uh, WA who is playing in Italy, an opportunity to come into the squad. I think they want to look at him a little bit closer. And um, they've got some important games coming on. I think they're going to play uh, uh, Switzerland uh, around about the 24th of March. And I, I think there's also another game uh, that's been organised. So some some interesting some interesting games to be had for our Ollie Roos. And I noticed you've thrown up our special guest. Um, I hope we don't frighten him. Uh, Nathan Claridge, welcome to FNR and Football Nation Radio. Hey George, hey Pakua, thank you. Thanks for um, having me on. I think I got mate, thrown mate, in. It, I want you to tell us uh, very very um, openly. Uh, the responsibilities of a TD, a modern TD, a, mod- a modern technical director uh, at, a, at a club that's doing some tremendous work for juniors. You haven't really got a senior club to, to speak of, but you are looking in that direction. But your primary purpose right now is women's and youth. Is that right? Youth development. Almost, almost, George. So we did stand up. We had the NPL senior team a few years back and, and there's some really difficult challenges around regional clubs maintaining that, as um, we're probably yeah. all aware. So yeah. uh, we went for a little while without a senior program, um, but we've just stood up. We, we finally lobbied all the key stakeholders and FV and, and we, we got them to allow us into the state league. Um, so last year was our men's, our first year back into men's state league football. Um, so going into our second year this year, we're pretty excited. But 
yeah, it bring, does bring up a lot of the challenges of, of, around having a regional NPL team or an NPL junior program. Um, and one of the things that we looked at was we'd set out to re-establish the integrity of the program, get good coaches and, and do that. But without a senior focal point, uh, you know, the club just didn't seem to have a, a heart really, to put it bluntly. Um, and once players got to 15, 16, they're already starting to look elsewhere. So a few of us really said, you know, it's just not feasible you have to let us back in and, and we got it over the line. Now, the women's one is another one because in regional areas, you've got key stakeholders. There's essentially the local association and then there's us, the uh, the more aspirational, won't say elite club, but the more aspirational club in the region. And and Football Victorian, I think most associations' position is both stakeholders have to be happy with every decision. And so we would love to have a women's program but we respect the fact that locally the association has done incredible work to promote numbers and, and um, participation in women's football. The perception is if we come along and provide, you know, an opportunity for the stronger players to play at a higher level in a state league or yep. down the track NPL women's, that it would undo the work they've done at this stage. So unfortunately we're kind of hamstrung by that and um, it's out of our hands. We, we would love to overnight say next year we're going into women's football and um, but that's the situation we find ourselves in. Okay, let's go back. You're in a, a notoriously AFL region, right, yep. of, of, of Victoria. How are you doing this? How are you getting all these youngsters and why are you getting them in the numbers that you're seeing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. We actually, uh, like when you talk about young guys getting their opportunity, we had our first... I think our first national um, capped player in Ryan Carms, who played with the uh, the Joeys in their recent trip to um, to the to Asia or Uzbekistan. Anyway, um, he came through our NPL program here, local boy. So that's something to hang our hat on. Um, our under 18s did, did, yep. Can I just interrupt you there? Let me just give me a clue. You you as a TD, when you see talent like that, what does it mean for you? Do you does does the system go hello hello hello? We've got to we've got to nurture this young man and give him every best chance. Or can you see it's a gem, it's a real gem, and you don't have to do too much other than give him the confidence to express him themselves. Um, it's a great question because I've got another one who's probably eleven years old and is that sort of talent that you look at just wow. everything's natural, wow. so balanced, technically just profound and um but there is a bit of nurturing that goes on to help with the decision making process and hence the reason why clubs like this need to exist in a regional area to give that first step up and the step up is then to go to an a-league side like Carmsey did um at melbourne city so there's there's nurturing but you know with good coaching um it, it's information but then it is what you say it's it's allowing naturally gifted players to play and i think too long for too long the shift towards this really focused coaching curriculum meant that we're overcoaching, we're treating it like chess, and um, we want to play through each third. You know, we don't want to allow too much free decision making or creativity because that doesn't fit with our our model of coaching. And I think there's probably a growing number of us that have said this probably killed a bit of Australian football and in the world <laughs> we live in in a regional area. I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, 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 Nathan Claridge, you just keep talking. I mean, uh, Pakura and I, no, seriously, Pakura and I have uh, loved the game, all right? Yeah. Pakura is an outstanding young commentator working for Paramount+. Plus. She's been one of our young cadets at FNR and we're thrilled to see her progress. Uh, and she she's doing uh, some terrific things, but she's also extraordinarily passionate about our messaging yeah. and about the way we all fit together. Now, you said you're, one of your young stars uh, made his way through to Melbourne City. Are you building great pathways? Are you now in conversation with Michael Petrillo and others at Melbourne City and are there genuine pathways, not to intrude on what you guys are doing, right? But are you establishing, a, a, you know, a natural and organic way to, to see what you're building and letting it flourish even further up? Yeah, and we feel like we've been very intentional about it. By establishing a senior program that plays in the state league, wherever they sit, state three, four, yep. five, up and down. Yep. 
that's fine. We've built a good relationship with Avondale, which is obviously a powerhouse NPL club. There's yes, mutual benefit. Yes. They need to expand their supporter base. Bendigo presents a great opportunity. Correct. An opportunity for us. So we've had about two or three of our players go on to them this year. Um, and then, of course, the next step is to an A-League and, and, you know, to a lesser degree. We haven't formalised anything in that space, but obviously with Carmsey and um, Petrillo and the guys at City, it opens up that opportunity to more formalise it and look at um, ways we can structure it better. So, yeah, we've been intentional about it. We realise where we sit. We realise our job with our juniors um, and we're very keen when we see a talent, do what we can and then push them on and provide them the opportunity they need. Um, if if you've got a, a spare weekend, uh, I'm happy to invite you to be my guest uh, at uh, one of the chairman's club functions at Melbourne City. I'm a club ambassador and love to get you there to speak to to Michael and others, you know, face to face, because I'd love to see those those boundaries that were once upon a time a little bit tenuous, you know, tighter. Because you guys are doing something tremendous. You're in the heart of AFL land, and you're churning out talent. And that, to me, tells me one, two things. It tells me that you love the game, and you love to, and and you have a good eye for talent for spotting it. And two, you have you have a, a, a seemingly organic um, uh, system that allows you to grow that nursery and create some wonderful talent. Um, that, to me, is just the most wonderful thing we can do. As lower division um, uh, clubs, if you guys can be the senior nurseries, the, 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 uh, the wonderful first step to the next career. There's a young kid that Pakua and I were talking about before you came on who, who's making a, a ridiculous um, um, uh, go at, uh, at beating defences in the A-League. He's young Irukunda out of Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> now what, as a TD, what are you thinking to yourself every time you see him go shake a hip, uh, you know, twist and turn and, 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 and frighten the hell out of a central back uh, yeah. or a fullback um, that, that not only doesn't see him coming, doesn't, doesn't quite appreciate his speed off the mark. <laughs> I've said to people time again, you don't, have to, you don't have to beat me for 100 metres. You only have to beat me for 10. That's right. You have to yeah. get that, one, that, that sort of that little break. It's like a little rope. You get that in front of me and I can't stop you. Yeah. Legally. Sorry, legally. Yeah. <laughs> All right? Yeah, and, and I also, and I'm an old goalkeeper, so right. I I know that a goalkeeper wants anybody attacking them to take a little bit longer on the ball, right? Yeah, I want to take that time away from them. So this is constant battle. So totally. when you have a kid like that who's that who's that passionate at coming at you, it's pretty scary. Oh, you know, it's a breath of fresh air because, like, oh, it, it alludes back to what we've said. Um, there's a fear that I had and a few others have had yourself sounds the same that we almost coached that out of the game. And to see a kid like Eric Kunda come and, and, you know, he's just got the X factor and you just go, just let him play, especially in the, especially in the attacking third, just let the kid play. I think it's a great wake up call to coaches and to the, the football environment that nurture and foster young talent. It's a reminder to go, you know what, you just got to release talent when you see it. And so I think to see it at that level, a kid at 16 and what he does is just exciting. Brings crowds to watch. Like, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, another boy who did that um, was Grant Cole, obviously, who was just up the road from Shepparton. You know, yeah. another kid. And they're, they're fantastic out there. Billy the TD and, and Craig Cowley, their coach, very similar to us. And we, we spent a lot of time. Saw his talent, you know, they were getting on the phone to Central Coast. Obviously, his older brother went there and just trying to open doors. Um, but it was all around, he's a, he's a kid with natural talent, natural ability, let him play. Obviously, there's structure and there's things in, in the education of the game, but it's finding that balance in not stifling it, but releasing it. And I think we're, I feel like the pendulum is shifting back a little bit. I mean, sometimes we play some NPL clubs, they come up here and it's so mechanical and chess-like, it's a bit of a frustration here. I know we've, we've uh, regressed, but anyway. I'm, 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 I love, I've loved listening to you telling us what we need to do and, and, and how you've seen it because I've watched an awful lot of football over the years and I've learnt one thing. There is no one pace to play the game. Yeah. And the sides that can move it up, can step it down, can slow it and then again accelerate 
have this wonderful way of out-muscling and out-controlling a midfield in a millisecond. We're seeing it with City yep. uh, at their best uh, against Leipzig. You don't score seven at that level in the Champions League unless you've got one natural hunters who look at the ball and just want to put it in the back of the net yeah. and a fantastic midfield that just wants to corral the ball and in a millisecond out fire it out to the to the game breakers um, and, and they line up in City like you wouldn't believe at Manchester City. So it, it's it's interesting to watch and we've watched an awful lot of football and I hate this this uh, this fixation with possession, right? Yeah. Yes. You, you, you and 100%. I, you and I have, you and I would love to teach some of the commentary teams out there. Don't tell us about the uh, the possession. I don't care, and don't throw the stat up. It's meaningless. It's it's the it's like color. Yeah. yeah. We're we're putting it up just just because we have a slide, right? Tell me what you're doing with your possession. Yeah. 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 I've, I've, I've watched some of the best teams in the world have it for 30% of the time and they've, they've killed their opponent yeah. because they've been clinical in front of goal. I can remember Maradona coming to Sydney. He got one opening. He, he got his pass away to his key man and they scored a goal. And everyone said to me, oh, Maradona did nothing. Oh, no, but he <laughs> won, a, won them the game. So, so again... We've got to change the messaging, and you got. And I love what you're telling me that we've we've got to a stage now where we've we've overcoached, and we've got to let we've got to take the reins off these youngsters, boys or girls, yep, and and let them shine, and 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 that's seriously exciting. So, yeah. what do you put in the water in Bendigo that gets <laughs> some of these youngsters to come down to to see you? We're talking, by the way, to uh, Nathan Claridge, who's the TD at Bendigo FC. Um, uh, how long have you been there? Well, I was here in the, the early days, 2015, when they first stood up MPL and the club stood up, and I was the under-21s coach. And, um, but, you know, there are some issues, as there is in all clubs, but regional clubs yep. in those early days, yep. it was like throwing yep. them in, and a few of them drowned, and we were one of them. So I, I <laughs> stepped away for a little bit. I came back. So this is now my, uh, I think it's about my fifth year since going away from this club for a couple of years. Um and so I've been TD for about three years now. And, and a few of us just got back involved and said, well, because I'm from the area. Yep. And, and it was a different world back in my day and got opportunities to play and got picked up, you know, at Green Gully, which was the old BPL. And, but it's yep. just, there was no and Green Gully, and again, and, again, and again, Green Gully, a club with a great legacy, yep. uh, seriously competitive, and have played some great games in the past. Yeah. yeah, big, uh, absolutely big game for us. A big club in, and so yeah, their proximity to Bendigo, you know, has meant we've aligned with them to a degree and just relationally. Um, but for, yeah, for a few of us, we just looked and said we need Bendigo City. Like, there's been some negative experiences in the past, but the concept, the program has to exist because the participation numbers in kids and, and like everywhere across Australia, it's the same here, is phenomenal with soccer, football. Then, you know, and we've got. Like you talk about the natural talents, well, we share this um, facility with Bendigo Pioneers, which is the AFL elite program, similar to us. And and you know, we it's all almost protecting them from seeing the just out and out athletic guns. We've lost one who's now gone to footy. He'll get drafted this year, and you know, he was a phenomenal real football player. Um, what position? What position have we lost? Uh, he was a midfielder, a six, uh, just a balance. so a great so a great engine, huh? Yeah, good engine, and he runs up and down a half forward flank in an AFL um, oh, pitch all day long. Oh. So, but you know, so we give and take. Well, the, the the beauty of it is, there's coming out of COVID. I think we've seen that now settle, and the numbers registering for local the local community league up here is big. For us, the challenge is building the relationship with the community league to say once they get to under 12, 13, pass the good ones on to us. Don't try and hang on to them. As we try and take the approach, we do what we can do and then we pass them on. Like, there's no reason us hanging on to them. If a no. kid can, like Carms, he can go and play at Melbourne City, why would we want to keep him in a State League 5 team? You know, And we have to have – I think that's the biggest thing with our administrators and what we've talked about across the landscape of football here is just know where we sit, <laughs> know the role we have to play and try and stay in our lane and play it. So there's no shortage of kids playing the game and um, 
we're getting better at having that relationship with our local league to um to get them on board and FV and all of us having you know continual conversation around what benefits not just participation but what also benefits stronger aspirational kids to make it. Um, so and we're not there yet, but we're definitely headed in in the right direction for sure. Nathan, I, I want to. I'm ask... sure Pakur. I was going to say. I was going to say. I'm sure Pakur has a number yeah, of questions. Go I, for I, it. I just want to ask Nathan, how long did it take you guys to to figure out that that was your role in the in the landscape of of regional football? Like to figure out that we can't hold on to these players, even though we want to be as successful as we want to be. We need to ensure that the the long term success of these kids is what's more important. How long did it take the club to figure that kind of mentality out? Uh, it's a good question, Pakur, and it probably took the failing of the first iteration of this club <laughs> when they threw us into the NPL and everyone thought we've arrived on the big stage and it, another group of us thought this is not sustainable, you know, like there's just not the the resource and the investment. And um, so it probably took a little bit of that and then it was a bit of the rebuilding process that forced us to sit down and strategically look at, um, you know, to answer that question. And so we, we went through a um, strategic planning process, which, you know, most people do. Do we use it? Do we not? Ours has actually been a real guiding um, sort of stick for us. And we said, we exist to try and be the best producer of regional football talent in Australia. Um, So for us, it's not about getting our senior team to the NPL, eventually the the second tier or, you know, it's it's, wherever they sit, they sit. Um, And so I've got a meeting with our senior players tonight. They start this week and it's all great. There's a few prima donnas and, you know, um, we're local, but we're playing in the state league and, but the message to them is this club essentially is about what we are providing for juniors and you are part of the picture, yeah. but you are not the sum total of the picture. Um, yeah, so anyway, they're conversations we've tried to have. And, you know, it's not it's very much imperfect, but I think, again, we're having the right conversations to take it in the right direction. I just want to follow um, that uh, up, Nathan, really, really quickly. Is that um, in terms of obviously you're sharing the space with, with a large footy audience who are big, big fans. How do you how do you get the kids to, to be engaged in football and, 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 and get them to care about the – because obviously when you see the stars of Australian sport, they're all usually footy um, players or when they go to the Olympics and do all these great things, they're the national stars. But how do you get them to care about football and get them to stay at the club when there are – you know, uh, footy clubs down the road that are saying, hey, you come down here, you're a great athlete, you could be a great football uh, AFL athlete. Yeah. Well, I think it's where we largely rely on um, the success of our national team, the quality of the A-League, um, you know, even to a, another degree is European leagues and the the sort of saturation that we've got now through Optus Sports, Dan, all of that. Like it yep. all plays yep. into now creating... Um, very much in these young kids, like back in my day when it was just the NSL, you'd watch a few Liverpool games at like 6am if they were in the FA Cup <laughs> final, that's it. Um, and you didn't know anything about Green Gallery. Pakua has no idea about that. <laughs> yeah. Understand this. She's an Arsenal fan and she gets All right. <laughs> on on demand. She sees everything see, she wants. See, Nathan, George has been a hater because George is a Tottenham fan and he, he you know, I'm oh. an Arsenal fan. This is, this is what's happening right now. Okay, and I'd jump in as Liverpool, so this is just a recipe. I'm, I'm living so. great. Yeah. The rest of you, I don't know about you two, but I'm feeling fantastic. You're having a great oh. year. Okay. A great hey, year. listen, Nathan, can I just take this opportunity yep. to say to you, do not be a stranger. Let's let's talk about what's going on in Bendigo and the region. Uh, let's see if we can build some better ties between the club and FNR. Understand that uh, Pakur is one of a crop of young uh, boys and girls, young men and women, who are the next generation of broadcasters. They Amazing. want to improve the messaging. They love the game like you wouldn't believe. Uh, just as you have spent a, a lifetime uh, putting back and giving back because it's part of what you do. Um, it's exciting for us to be able to offer you guys not only uh, the the opportunity to talk to a national audience, but uh, unlike old radio, old radio was confined to uh, your region. So if you're in Bendigo, that's that's the only person who heard, heard what was going on. If you're in Sydney, only the outer regions of Sydney would 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 hear it. Beyond that, you were lost. Yeah. With streaming radio, we go global and we go national. And that's the exciting thing. Just as all these devices now, 
give the next generation of youngsters the opportunity to get saturation coverage. We have an opportunity with streaming radio to talk about the game 24-7 in a manner that was never contemplated by anyone before. So that's brilliant. Do, do brilliant. not be a stranger. Uh, help us to understand what's going on there, what more we can do to help you, and showcase some of the outstanding talent so we can follow them. I want to, on their pathway. Yeah. Sorry, George, before we, we let Nathan go, ahead, go, go ahead. Uh, Nathan, we heard that uh, your daughter is uh, playing for South Melbourne, the NPL <laughs> oh. uh, women's uh, yeah, yeah, side. Yeah. Give us a little info. What's her, her name position, and her position, position as well? Position, yeah. what's, what's she doing? Well, she yeah, so pretty exciting. She she did the travel. So we took her down when she was 13. She showed some, some promise and she broke into the South program, which at that time, you know, under SOC, um, was was pretty bloody good. And anyway, we always knew this was the moment. Would she get a senior contract? She got a senior contract. The next year or two is going to be a challenge for her to break in. And they got a, they got a gun team. I think they'll probably challenge for a top two spot now this year. But um, she plays as a centre-back. She's still young. So she's probably got a bit of physical development to do to be a centre-back at a senior level. But what they love about her is she's brutal. She, she loves to throw a tackle and she's had – the odd red card in her junior career. Oh, I love that. Um, She's Pakua. Pakua would love to call the no, game. No, actually, I love it because, <laughs> what's, because Nathan... What's, what's her name, Nathan? Her name is Asia. And the funny thing is her first senior game when she came off the bench, whoever was calling it, like, this was like last year, we, we spelt it as parents, A-Z-H-I-A, and she's... She has cursed us the rest of her life for doing that to her. So I think the first time she got called, it was uh, making her way into the pitch is Asia, Clarice. If you see it, it's Asia, just Asia, like the continent okay. of Asia. I'm, com- well, I'm Asia commentating, well, I'm commentating uh, Bayside and Southern uh, Southern United, I think, this weekend. So I don't I have okay. her game. But when I do, when I see her in the name of the T-shirt, I most certainly will be getting it correct, Nathan, now that I know Amazing. the correct. Because I, have, I am a stickler of trying to get the pronunciation. I feel bad when I get someone's name wrong. So Yeah, you, know, it's a tough, you guys have a tough job, yeah, especially in football, uh, you know, with all uh, nationalities and range of names languages. And, yeah, yeah, always trying uh, to get Nathan, the names right. There was a, the Channel 7 one, once upon a time called uh, Claudio Gentile, Claude Gentile. He was the then <laughs> captain of Juventus, and he had arrived in Australia to participate in a, in a tour with the great Juventus side of that time. And I can remember I was at Wide World Sports and the guy at seven went, yeah, Claudio, Gen, uh, Gentile. And I went, oh, <laughs> Jesus, we've got, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, you guys no, do no. a great job. I'm, I'm wrapped that I've made the connection and obviously Glenn on our board who's um, sort of made the yeah, connection. No, please, it's fantastic. Please on our best wishes to, to Glenn. And again, all of you. Uh, we love the fact that you guys have made the commitment to bring the next generation of youngsters into the game and give them the best footing for a career, if, wherever they want to take it, yeah? yeah exactly. Uh, continue, continue good work. Do not be strangers. And whatever you need, reach out to us all the time, huh? Oh, well, 100%. Thanks, guys. You do a great job. And um, our club will now be all over this because they're saying, oh, our TD's on the radio today. So <laughs> we'll hopefully Put it on the website. Yet. Yeah, yeah. On the website. Oh, and I'll, I'll send you the Instagram link for us because you can see some of the talented kids scoring goals week in, week out. And we've we got a good crop in our under-18s at the moment. So I think they're sitting well, equal second just under victory and they might be the first time we've qualified for a um, Tier 1 MPL Junior competition. So there's there's plenty to watch and see. It's exciting up here. Fantastic. Uh, is listening. Don't you worry. <laughs> and she's got and she's got Asia in her sights. I'm, 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 Thank you. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I I like the red card story because I got a I got a yellow card. <laughs> uh, if, I got a yellow card for a slide tackle because the age range we weren't allowed to do slide tackles yet. But I said let's get the football started. But it's okay. Yeah, well done, Pika. Like well done. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she'll um she's she's a she's a hardcore defender. She's a female so Vinnie be, Jones. Before in the we wrong go. Way. Before we go, does she take from mum or does she take from you? Actually, her um, her mother was a, a good player as well. We met in high school. She was playing for the state team. But her auntie, her mum's sister, um, played in the early days of the National League and she, she probably went further than any of us. So we say she takes after her mum's side because they're just ruthless. So <laughs> I was always a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> this will get back. This will get back to the other side of the family. Yeah, it will. Uh, Pakua, you need to acknowledge and thank our guest. No, I really, really, Nathan, we really, Nathan Claridge from uh, Bendigo City, we really appreciate you joining us on the State of Our Football Nation uh, this 
afternoon and hope the club, everything goes all well with the club and we'd love to have you guys on the program again. And George, thank you for tune- coming in on your time off in uh, in Queensland, the sunshine. Queensland. I don't know what we're going to call the state. There's multiple wow. names for it. But we thank everybody for joining us in the state of our football nation this Thursday. And we will be back next Thursday at 5 o'clock here on FNR. Bye for now. On you. On you guys. Listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.